0: Amen. Thank you, sir. Sure is good to have Dan and Teddy with us today. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Appreciate you, folks. And uh, let's go in here to the text. He says, I beseech you by the mercies of God. The plea is based on God's mercy. Aren't you thankful God's a merciful God? Amen. But His mercy leads us to, the Bible tells us, to repentance. And so, our service to God will only last as as long as our surrender. Our service to God will only last as long as our surrender. You know why there's a lack of service to Christ? Because there's a lack of surrender. And you say, can I do it in my own strength? No, you can't. I can't. None of us can. That's why we need God's help. Lasting change is firmly rooted in the soil of surrender. Lasting change is firmly rooted in the soil of surrender. 20 years ago, I read this book by Andrew Murray entitled Absolute Surrender. Tremendous book. Reading a book does not change your life. Applying it does. It helps. I still got a lot to learn. But that man walked with God. I encourage you, read books by people that challenge you to walk with God in a deeper way. Absolute surrender. God expects our surrender. He says in the text, I beseech you therefore, brethren. You say, well, he's speaking to the brethren. They're already saved. So they've done enough. They've asked Jesus to save them. They probably uh, go worship with the believers. Uh, they, they might uh, even talk about God every once in a while in the home. They might read their Bible every once in a while. But he says, no, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God... That you what, he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Man, a difficult request. Let's look this morning first at this personal request. It is a personal request. He says, I beseech you. He's not talking to the neighbor down the street. God's asking you and me to surrender. We each have a choice to make. The easiest thing to do is to live in our own comfort zone, is it not? To live in the comfort zone. What's your comfort zone? Do you know where your comfort zone is? We all have our comfort zone. That's as far as we want to reach. That's as far as the muscles have ever stretched. That's, 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 that's our limit. That's my limit. I know my limitations. It's good to know your limitations. But sometimes you made those and God didn't make those. Aren't you thankful Moses knew his limitations But still, after he messed up and God sent him on a 40-year little trip, he still came back and served God and did what was right. Aren't you thankful for that? He still led the people of God into the wilderness, trusting in God. He got all the way to the edge of the Promised Land. He's about ready to go in. He flubs up and can't go in. You say, was it worth it for him? Yes, absolute surrender. Absolute surrender is what led his life. He says, I beseech you therefore... Look, the easiest thing to do is to just keep coasting, keep going the way uh, we naturally flow, things flow. Just, hey, stay with the flow. Stay with the flow, they say. He says, I'm requesting your engagement. My wife and I, on our way back, drove by a location. We were coming up the interstate, and I saw this uh, on the map, on my on my. On my map device. And uh, I saw there was a park. I said, dear, that's the park we got engaged at. October 30th, 2015. It brought back fond memories and we were telling the girls about the park. Now, we had about eight hours left to go that day to drive back here. So we didn't stop at the park. But we thought about it but that was a place of commitment surrender all right it was a place where i made a personal request and virginia had no question in her mind who i was talking to okay set up the video camera she's like what are you doing with your backpack and i was like I'm just getting something out to take a picture. And I was getting ready to take a picture, and I had her looking over the side. I was like, that's a good photo right there. Got the camera all set up on video mode and uh, had it all positioned right, and then I came down there and was right there on one knee, and she said yes, and the rest is history. But it was surrender. It was a personal request. When you got engaged, did you doubt who your spouse was asking to get married? Not sure if he's still talking to that, the girl that he used to go out with. No, you, you were pretty sure. He didn't bring that girl along with you to the, to on, that, on that date and say, hey, would you please marry me? And you're like, which one? Nobody does that in their right mind. Look, God is not confused And when he asks you, he's not asking the neighbor next door. He's not asking the child at home. He's not asking somebody else down the street, friend. He's asking us to surrender. He's asking us to come to him. A personal request. Because God is merciful, he's not demanding, he's asking. He says, I beseech you to implore, to beg, to ask. Everybody knows when somebody gets engaged who they're talking to. They usually have a commitment right there. The guy spent, if he's cheap, a couple hundred dollars. If he cares, maybe he's spent a few more, okay? In the thousands, probably. And he's holding a a rock out there that he hopes is real. (laughs) Because he just spent his life savings on it. My wife still doesn't know how much it costs, okay? Um, Not going to let you know. Um, Why? I don't know. We just... It's one of my one of my secrets, okay? Because if it was too much, then it was too much. If it was too little, then it was too little. So you just—it's in the thousands, okay? That's it, all right? Um, and so, a personal request—a personal request. Um, there was a commitment made. There was a, a promise given. God the Father once committed followers. But yet, in, we live in a world of broken commitments, don't we? We live in a world in which. Uh, a lot of engagements get broken off. We live in a world in which a lot of marriages get broken off. A lot, a lot of contracts get broken off. Yeah, we have a contract right here. Your, your cellular device uh, has a contract they made with you. They can turn that thing on and off whenever they want to and record whatever they want to, whenever they want to. It's in the contract. They already wrote it. Thanks, Facebook and Google. Right? It's in the contract. I didn't really like that, but it's either you install the app... Or you read 755... Okay, I don't know how many pages. Do, do, do any of you actually read all those pages? No. You just say, yes, I accept. But why is it that when God says, hey, I want you to serve me, you say, but please tell me what are the terms and conditions? And we tell Apple, sure, yes. You tell Google, yes. Gmail, yes, whatever. Yes, yes, Facebook, yes, yes, sure, sure. You can have all my privacy and all my personal information, but God, no, 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 no. Excuse me, God. <clears throat> You can come into this area of my life, but that's as far as you can go. Don't change me. Don't transform me. I want salvation, but I don't want to surrender. A personal request. I beseech you. God says, I'm begging you. I'm asking you. And look, uh, human relationships are often rushed in this world and a development without the input from the Creator, okay? The temptation, though, is to apply the same approach to the Lord, is to sit there and go, Lord, uh, Lord, let me pray about. We pray about surrendering to serve God. I was recently interviewing someone who is praying about serving along here with us. And um, when I was interviewing them, I was asking them about their call to ministry. And they were explaining to me how they went to a camp expecting God was going to confirm their secular call to ministry. (laughs) If you go to a Christian camp for a meeting. And you expect God, he's like, I thought God was going to confirm my call to ministry. I mean, to, to the secular job. And you know what God confirmed? Call to ministry, all right? Because, by the way, God's always calling people in the ministry. Personal request. He said, I went there, and I was just getting going to seek God. And all of a sudden, as I was there, I thought God was going to want me to be a police officer. But you know what God wanted me to do? He wanted me to go to Bible college and train for the ministry. He said, that surprised me. Didn't surprise God, Okay. Because that's what he desires, is that all men would serve him. Let me pray about it. Uh, should I read my Bible? I'm not sure. Maybe God wants me to read his word or not. Let me pray about if I should have a prayer time. Let me pray about if, if I should take my children and talk to them about God during the day, or maybe I should wait a few more years to talk to them about God. By the way, I've been told that before. Let me, we're, pray. we're not sure if we should talk to our kids about God yet. Like, what do you want to be, 20 before we start talking about God? The world's talking about everything else under the sun. Okay, They need to hear about the Lord and his word. They need to re- hear, hear the word of God read. Let me pray about uh, Should I go to church? Let me pray about it. I'm not sure. Absolute surrender. God says, no, I've already asked. I've already asked. Friend, we don't have to wait for a confirmation. The request is made directly to every lost soul to repent and for every repentant soul to surrender. God says, I'm asking you. Have you been listening to Jesus' request? He wants you. Just like the army request, right? We want you. God wants surrendered people. He says, I beseech you. I'm begging you. I'm asking you. My mom works as a... Uh, <laughs> she's busy this week. Warnock versus whoever uh, is running against him. By the way, if you think Warnock saved you, Anyways, that's a mess. But anyways, mom, mom's in charge of the whole county running the polls. Okay, For one whole county. You know the hardest part about that job? getting some poll workers. They're paid well. They're compensated well. I mean, they're paid to just sit there and cast a little piece of paper to somebody, you know, and the, the machine counts or prints or what does whatever it does, okay? <laughs> Tabulates. All right? They, 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 they got to do is a little tiny thing, and, and, and it's hard to find people to do that. And she said, you know what? I'm having to kind of rush because we have this runoff between uh, these two guys and, and uh, pray, that, pray that the one that seeks God Pray that the one that upholds the sanctity of life will get put in. Amen. That state is in trouble. But we live in a day in which, look, a personal request. She, the hardest part is getting people to come be a poll worker right now. Trying to get people to come be the poll workers. It's a personal request. And she has to call and call and call people to get workers as she hires these workers for the polls. My friend, God is asking you, And the hard part about serving the Lord is sometimes we say, well, God, how much are you going to pay me? He's going to pay you more than your secular job is going to pay you because the reward's in heaven. Some people aren't getting any rewards in heaven, but others are getting a lot because they didn't come for compensation on this earth. They're looking for compensation in heaven. Okay, The surrender, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Look, we rush through life waiting for our dreams to come true, but our dreams are only found when we come down And we let down our wall and we listen to the master's voice and he's calling. He's saying to the sheep, come follow me. Come to the fold. Come serve me. Come honor me, God says. Come follow me. It was a personal request. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. But Jesus, we're going to have to stop fishing. Yeah, come follow me. Come follow me, Jesus said. Was that not his personal request? Look, from my personal observation, the Calvary Road is a very lonely place road but my friend it's the only way to get to know him better you gotta gotta get away from the other friends and you got to learn to rely upon him a personal request letter or number two this morning a special I'm so I was teaching downstairs this morning and you're going through ABCs and we learn our ABCs downstairs and then we come up here and hear the word of God and in and, and different preaching style and it's great okay secondly this morning a special requirement he says present your bodies I beseech you therefore, brethren, I'm begging you, I'm asking you, imploring you based upon the mercy of God. Because God is merciful, he wants and he's being patient, but he's begging us to come. That ye, he says, present your bodies. What kind of a sacrifice? A living living sacrifice. Have you tried to cook a living piece of an animal? Have you tried to... Kill a deer. I mean, not kill a deer. Just take a deer. Brother Kyle, can you imagine if we were out there hunting and we just go ahead and we just walk in the woods and we just take the backstrap off one of them deer? Walk out to that buck, pull that skin off, and here comes the backstrap off, right? Hey, God bless you. Good to see you guys today. And you take that backstrap off, right? You pull it off. Would any of us do that? Take that deer live, like in Bible days, and put that animal up on the sacrifice on the altar? No, we're not going to do that. We kill it first. God says, though, I'm not asking you to stop living. I'm asking you to stop living your own strength. He's saying, I'm asking you to die to your own way. It's a special requirement. Present, he says, your body as a what? Living sacrifice. Living sacrifices, I want you to remember this, they crawl off the altar. That's why I've had to come down to the altar a lot. Because it's easy to go back to serving ourselves. Look, Christianity today, people consider you to be a good person if you are nice, Bye. kind, go to church sometimes, read your Bible occasionally, and maybe every once in a blue moon, give or serve. You're a good, good person and you're a Christian if you do that. But that's not what the Bible says. He's looking for surrendered vessels. He's looking for absolute surrender. He's looking for a special requirement. He says to present your body, to present my body. It's to make it ready for presentation. God says, put some thought into it. Put some thought into it. Hey, he says, give some effort, some energy into this presentation. Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my life, but <sighs> you might mess it up, Lord. Didn't He create you and I? Didn't He fashion and make us? And we're like, hey Lord. Not my whole body. I present, he says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, Lord, somebody else can serve you. I'll just pray for them. That's how I'm going to serve you. I'm going to pray for them. No, 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 no. He says you surrender yourself. I surrender myself. Uh, a special requirement. A living sacrifice. And look, um, it's easy in this culture to get so mixed up in this. But look, he says, present this body. He says, how? Holy. And what does he say? Acceptable to who? Acceptable to God. Which is your, he says, what? Reasonable service. Look, the temptation in life is to always accept the influence that tells us what we want them, we want to say. We find friends that tell us what we want to hear. Wouldn't that be great if, you're, if you were just always surrounded by people that tell you what you want to hear? Maybe you've done that in your life. You just put people around yourself that always tell you what you want to hear. Um, I need people that tell me what I do not want to hear. You need people that tell you what you do not want to hear. Often for me that has been the preaching of the word of God, hearing hearing a message I did not particularly like at the moment, but I need it. He says, present yourself in a holy manner. When you think of something that's holy, you think of something that's clean, something that's purified. By the way, that is why uh, I personally want us to lead and worship at our church in 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 the most holy manner we can possibly do, okay? Why? Because in heaven... Have you read about how they dress in heaven? Have you read about how they act in heaven? Have you read about how they worship in heaven? They all wear robes. Oh, my. We're not going to wear a robe, okay? But by the way, that's why some churches wear robes. It is a biblical garment, okay? I'm not planning on starting to wear one. But it is a biblical garment. In heaven, that is what people wear, a robe. You say, but that's not stylish, It's not what the comedians wear. It's not what all the cool people wear in society. Our society is so focused on the human body and accentuating the human body that we have forgotten that God is holy, He is perfect, He is sinless. He is there is no evil no contaminants within him. The attention's not on flesh, the attention's on glorifying God. And what are they going to stay? The angels are going to stay around and they're going to all show off their different outfits and no no no, they're going to be wearing the same color clothes, white robes. White robes are going to be given to them. The Bible says. They're going to be saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. You say I don't think that's the way worships going to be. That's how it's going to be in the Bible. That's how it's going to be in heaven. Worshipping and glorifying Him, the focus is on the Lord. He says to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It's going to be a culture shock for many in heaven because God's going to do things in a very holy manner, a very sinless, a very perfect manner, a place where there is no darkness. There will be no corner. There will be no hidden place. And he says to present your body in a living sacrifice. I enjoy hanging out in places and and being around folks who really put a lot of attention to detail. And we had a friend who graciously on our way back, they wanted to spend time with us. And for years they've helped support this ministry from afar. We owe them a debt of gratitude. And we went to pay them a visit and to thank them. And they said, can we please put you up in a hotel? They had planned this in advance. Now, usually we stay in the lower end hotels. But you know, they put us up in a place I'd never stayed at, the Marriott. Tell you, that place was fancy. You walk in the door, you had a personal greeter. They were not dressed like they woke up by accident. The lady was dressed in a fine suit with a happy smile, a polite disposition. Good morning, good afternoon. I mean, so friendly, so kind. And you... No, they were acting the part because they had been trained to act the part. Go over, they see that everybody is just so attentive. And you walk in and they insisted on us getting at the fancy restaurant. And... Goodness, the whole place was just fancy. Everything was done with excellence. You walk up to the food for breakfast. Oh, um, good morning. You know, <laughs> you get greeted and uh, so friendly, so kind. Can I make you? You go to the normal. Normally, when you go to a buffet, they're like, <clears throat> they're like hoping you don't come over and get the omelet. And I was like so happy with everything on the buffet. And by the way, my wife and I would never have bought a buffet of that, of that caliber of price. I was like, good grief, man. Um, thank you, right? And you're going along and you're like, I'm like, I love all this stuff. This is great. And, and I insisted on buying the cheaper thing on the menu. They're like, no, 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 you got to get this. I'm like, whatever you say, okay? Um, and so you go along there and you're like, wow. The lady says, could I make you an omelet? Could I make you anything? Would you like anything? And I didn't want anything else. I liked what I, was out. It was great. It looked so delicious. I'm like, if I have an omelet, I'm not going to be able to eat anything else. And taste test everything else in here. There was a presentation. So I'm getting that. And by the way, in heaven, it's going to be a presentation like that. A behavior, an attitude, a disposition of service. All those people who were serving Had one attentive desire. They wanted the guests to feel happy. And I was looking around me at the people in there and I'm like, I tell you, this is a very high end place. Uh, Look, and, and they were serving a type of people that wanted to be served in a delicate manner. You know, the King of Kings is holy, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And in the same way, if you went to be a waiter or waitress at a restaurant where you were serving clients who probably uh, have an income that's worth about your house value, you would probably serve in a certain manner. In the same way, he's worthy of far greater adoration and service. He says, by the way, you come and you serve me. God says, you serve me like I'm worthy. We often... When I think about serving around the church, like, I'm not sure I got time to serve Jesus. No, he says, Man, you serve. Why? Because he's the King of Kings. He deserves everything. He deserves everything. He gave us life. How would you feel if your spouse was only half committed in marriage? What if they only came home when they felt like it? But isn't that how we treat God? Lord, I'll give you some of my time, but not all of it. I'll give you the leftovers, Lord. A living sacrifice involves death to self. But let me ask you a question. When did you come in and die? At the funeral, when a loved one passes, we put their casket down front, and their body has been cremated or their body has been preserved and mummified. Then, have you ever been to a funeral where they got up and walked out? I haven't. They stay there wherever you put them. Their body stays there. Because why? Because they're dead. And God says in the same way, I want you to be dead to your own way of living and live for Christ. And he's asking us to come to an absolute surrender, a special requirement. He says, present yourself in a holy, acceptable manner to God. A holy, acceptable manner to God. Uh, If you're in love with Jesus, you're going to have a lot of notable funerals. If you're in love with Jesus, you're going to have a lot of notable funerals. And by the way, funerals are a time of fellowship sometimes because you get to see people you've never seen before. And you know what? Just a side note. When you and I surrender to God, God unites some people and brings things into your life and starts putting things together. And when there's an unsurrendered life, there's always broken relationships that that exude from that. And usually many other are pulled away from the faith when there's a lack of brokenness. You might be sitting here today worried. If you surrender, God might mess up your plans. Didn't he create us? Every breath we have is from him. He could stop that if he wanted. Uh, All of our interns, we have them read a book entitled Don't Waste Your Life. I was looking back through photos on my phone and saw that picture of the day I read that book. It was hunting season last year. I was up there waiting for a deer to come in and reading that book, Don't Waste Your Life. The book is just as true then as it was today. And look, if we don't waste our life, we live it for Christ. We live it for serving God. A wasted life is simply a life spent on an unsurrendered, unsurrendered to Christ. Holy, he says, and acceptable to God. We're too worried about what men say, what men, how men perceive us, and we've forgotten that God's opinion is the only opinion that will matter. And often we're 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 bent on pursuing our own way. You say, "Man, I'm just going to try. I, I got to find my own way." My entire life was changed over 20 years ago, when one individual decided to try their own way. The pastor sided with them in their rebellion. The parents were against it. And they split and fractured so many relationships. And I remember they, 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 that these people who claimed to be in the faith sided with this rebellious person. And they deviated, and now seeing years later the way that their teenage children are behaving, it's exactly the way they behaved. They're reaping the fruits of their own decision. And look, my life was forever changed by the fact that they made a decision they should have never made. But their own kids are now tainted by it. And it's painful when I walk into a situation like that, and I have to see men, all because of a lack of surrender, we went with the force that was the easiest force to go with. Now we wind up in this place. The absolute surrender. Oh, it was so difficult. It would have been so tough to trust God. Serving the devil is a whole lot tougher. He say, it was pretty close. Still going to church. Yes, still going to church. But you know what? The Bible was never read in the home. Children were never taught to memorize the word of God. Jesus was not put first, and my friend, the fruit will manifest itself. There's a special requirement. He says, holy and acceptable unto God. You say, No, every type of, every type of, everything's all the same, it's all the same, we're all the same. No, no, no. He says, I want you to surrender to me. He says, I'm holy. He says, Would you surrender? Don't we live in a nation filled of used clothing donations? I mean, we feel good as Americans, right? And look, some of the used clothes we donate are brand new. Okay, I get it. Not the ones I donate, but, um, but we feel better as Americans because we donate these clothes, and sometimes they go to other parts of the world and we get to help people with used clothing. But would you think about it for a minute? Imagine you're in a poor place in the world and you have nothing. And you know, some, you get this piece of clothing and a ripped up pair of jeans, and I'm just joking and exaggerating a little bit. But you get it, and you say, wow. Thank you for a ripped up pair of jeans. And probably they are appreciative. But you realize it actually costs more to ship that junk to them than it would be if we we bought it for them brand new in their own country. But we feel better because we gave the leftovers, don't we, as Americans? And by the way, I think you should donate your clothes, okay? I'm not not against that. But I'm just saying, as Americans, we feel better as we gave our old clothes to some charity. And And it soothes our conscience as Americans and we're giving our, our leftovers. God wants our best. He wants your best. He doesn't just want our old worn out furniture. I'm going to give this and see what happens. No, 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 no. God says, I want your best. I want your heart. A special requirement. Present yourself, he says, acceptable, holy to God. In our book, Boots on the Ground, I hope you've been reading it. Last, uh, this, this, this last week the 30th of, of November. There was a story in there of a woman from Finland. If you didn't read it, you ought to go back and read it. The woman was there, and the, the Russians were invading Finland. And 400, I believe it was the, it was 400,000 people were evacuated from their homes. And they had to give up their homes. Well, the, the Finnish army came to her home and said, Ma'am, you have till tomorrow morning to completely evacuate your home. Take any of your belongings you want. You've got to go. We're going to burn your home to the ground because we don't want the Russians to use it for lodging. But the story goes on. That woman, that Finnish woman, took her belongings, loaded them on a sled. Think about it. It's the winter. She loads them on a sled, and when the Finnish army comes the next morning and her, her fellow countrymen show up at her house, they see the sled loaded with all her personal belongings. They walk in. The house is whitewashed. It's clean. Perfectly scrubbed down. And there's matches and kindling right by the wood stove. And a note that says, I wanted to give my country my best. And she says, the Finlands deserve the best. You will find matches and kindling to burn the home. I'm gone to my neighbors to gather a few things. She came back and the soldiers are just like, why, ma'am, why? My nation deserves my best. Look, none of us in our right mind, if you knew tomorrow that your entire home was going to be burned, would you go through and wash it? Would you scrub it? No, you'd be just like, man, I'm going to get my stuff out of here fast, pack it up and go. They're going to burn it. What do we give God? We say, God, I might give you my life, what's left up. What's burned up, what's charred, what's kind of ruined, I've messed it up, I'll give it to you now. We give them the leftovers. God is not impressed by our leftovers. It would be like, look, we just uh, enjoyed, y'all have been such a blessing uh, serving uh, Christian and Stephanie and taking them food. And imagine if, though, if before we went to their house, if we would have all just taken a a spoonful out helping for ourselves and then gone and delivered it to them, right? Christian would be like, he would have still eaten it. I know Christian, but he would have gone. Man, why did they, why did they not give me the rest? Right? What did they do with that? Right? That's what we do with the Lord. We say, Lord, I'll give you my life. Lord, I'll surrender to you. But Lord, let me take the first bite. First bite of dessert is the best. I understand, but God says, look, I want you to give it all. Special requirement. What results from this surrender? There is a beautiful result. A complete renewal happens. Verse 2, he says, surrender. And he says, by the way, this is just reasonable. You say, man, it sounds so odd. It's odd because nobody does it. Very few people surrender fully to serve Christ. But in verse 2, he says, be not Conform to this world, but be ye, what does he say? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a complete renewal that results. Man, I love it when things are restored and renewed. And um, unbiblical thought processes are one of our greatest weaknesses. I enjoy spending time with friends that I've known for years. It's a privilege to go back to Georgia and spend time with people I've known for some of them over 20 years. Church that I preached in 20 years ago. I mean, just being around people that you've, you've known and loved for 20 years. And I, I preached in a church I had, that I helped. I got a privilege to just work alongside. I was about your age, Kamari, and the preacher needed help. Now, 17 years later, I get to go back in that building and preach. And see, the same people that I served 17 years ago, something you'll never get over with is seeing how God works. Look, God works in people's life. And to see the families and the children still in church, it was refreshing. To see God continuing to work and revive and renew, it was refreshing to go back and see that. Look, unbiblical thought processes, though, are one of our greatest weaknesses. And uh, about 90% of the parenting advice that I hear from fellow parents, those who especially have teenagers, and I, I, is not from the Bible. I was, I was around a lot of it this week, and I'm like, that is not in the Bible. The opinions... Are, ...are completely from the world. It's exactly... ...you go to the world... ...and you go ask somebody... ...who does not know Christ... ...the opinion on how to raise a child... ...and it's exactly the same opinion... ...that a Christian's offering. I'm like... ...90% of the time... ...it's opinions completely from the world. And then we wonder... ...we wonder... ...why Christian homes? Why is that, Maybe that's why 90% of the kids... raised in Christian homes... Seem to completely abandon their faith. Remember the reading the book Already Gone? And I uh, have all the, all the uh, guys who come here and help. I have them read that. It's a book I've read. helped me. Written by Ken Ham, who has the Ark Encounter. Already gone. Why are the young people leaving the church? Uh, they're leaving the church because they're already gone. That's why. They're already gone. Their questions were not answered by the word of God in, in the home. Could it be that the unbiblical philosophies have so filled our minds that we can't even think biblically? A complete renewal. We went to Mayfield Dairy, which is a company that I used to tour as a child or teenager. It's in Athens, Tennessee. We took our girls there, and I was so excited about going there. But they've been bought out twice since I went there, okay? Now I get in there, and I'm watching the video about the Mayfields and all this wonderful journey. And I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. Then it's like, and we got bought out. And then after you finish the video, the lady comes in and says, and we just got bought out again. And I'm like, okay, great. But they still have the Mayfield Dairy Milk Jug. you got to look it up. It's a yellow milk jug. Just kind of cool, iconic, embossed emblem on the side. Just a different type of milk jug. And there's some things that struck me as I went through and we toured the factory. I would love to have shown you photos, but the lady said I couldn't take photos, and I try to when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So uh, we were going through this tour, and I will never forget the smell of those plastic bottles being made. 450 degrees, they're squirting the plastic in there, creating these yellow bottles and coming out with these yellow milk jugs. And I'm thinking, and that's the carcinogens that we're about ready to put our milk all around. Hmm. I wonder why we have cancer uh, in America. That's the reason why, all this plastic. Okay, but anyways, I'm smelling that. And I said to my wife, I said, can you smell it? She says, no, can't smell it. Um, too much time, remember. Um and, <laughs> and so we're going through there, and you're in the whole thing. The girls loved it. But you're seeing those bottles be made. And you're seeing how they cut off the edges, the excess. And if it's a little bit damaged, it gets thrown and put into a process and gets ground. And you know, sometimes in our life, if we don't surrender the process properly, God sometimes does some grinding. And he throws us in a bag and grinds us up again and puts us out again. And you say, man, Lord, that was painful. He says, but I want to be formed in you. We're going through that process, and then we went through that stinky part of the building, and they said it smelled like buttermilk. So it smells like rotten milk, okay? She says, prepare yourselves for a smell. It's going to smell like buttermilk. I'm like, yeah, right. (laughs) Okay? And so you smell this milk that's being treated and all this stuff, all these chemicals going into it. It still says milk on the side, right? And uh, then it goes through. I never think of milk the same after having gone through there again. Okay? And you come through the end. They squirt this milk through all these tubes, go to the other side of the road, and they're taking this big circular machine, and they're taking these bottles and putting them there and squirting the milk in, putting the cover on. You're watching the whole process happen. You're watching them put the labels on all the bottles. And I saw the label. It kind of caught my eye, you know. Sometimes having over 20, 20 vision helps you. You're looking out. You're like, great value. I thought this was Mayfield Dairy. I was like, oh, so you guys make for for great value for Walmart. And they're like, she's like, yeah. But get this. They send us over their recipe. And we make their milk. I didn't know. I guess I'm kind of dumb. There's a recipe for milk. It says milk on the side. It says milk, right? Go to Stewart's. It says milk. But it has a little different flavor because they put something in it. You just don't know what. That was revealing, enlightening, encouraging. Um, (laughs) But look, it was identified by a process. That milk went through that process, and they put a little different flavor in it. That's Walmart's milk. This is Mayfield dairy milk. Tastes more original. Maybe it has a little more of a cow smell to it. I don't know. I mean, every little thing. You go through the process. Then they took you to the ice cream. And the ice cream, she says, it goes in here in soft serve. They were shut down for Thanksgiving. So we got to watch a video about ice cream being made and see all the machines out there because the workers had the day off. And here we were the day after Thanksgiving looking at all this stuff. And they're squirting soft serve in there. And she says it goes in the freezer room. And it's called the rapid freeze. And in 20 minutes... The ice cream goes from soft serve all the way down to, I think, 20 below zero. She says, because it has to get preserved. Why? Because so when you and I go buy some that tastes good. The process. You know, sometimes God takes you through drastic circumstances because he wants to preserve. He wants to change. He says, I want to renew you. Aren't you thankful when you go get ice cream? Unless it's been sitting in the car too long, it doesn't taste like milk, Right? It has a distinct taste. It it looks different. You enjoy that. God wants a renewal to happen in our lives. And often we say, but Lord, please don't put me in the freezer. Lord, please don't put me over here in the oven. But he says, the cake's not baked. Surrender a little bit or I'm going to put you under the heat. He says, come over here. No, I want you to serve me this. Lord, but no, 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 no. Somebody else had an easier way. There's an easier place over there where I can serve. Easier. We're in the easy philosophy today. Easy, easy, easy. But God wants to freeze his mark on your life. He says that you may prove, what is that? What does he say? Good. And what does he say? Acceptable. And what kind of will? Perfect will of God. God has a will for you and me and it's perfect. God's will does not naturally occur though without our surrender. His will is good. It's complete. It's acceptable. And it's better than anything we can dream of. A sweet believer is just simply a surrendered believer. He says, be conformed. Now, don't be conformed to the world. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A lot of our problems are thought problems in the mind. We live in a world filled with mental illness. Could it not be that that mental illness could be transformed by the word of God? And I do believe that. It says, be transformed that ye may prove. You say, prove to others. No, just prove what God's will is. Look, the world is thirsty for answers. You see that around you? People are looking for answers. Everywhere I go, people are looking for answers. I don't know what to do is the common phrase I hear people say. Down in Georgia, Carolinas, wherever we've been all week. I mean, my neighbors around here, people in the church, common thing that we, we say, I don't know what to do. He does He wants to renew, but he says, I'm requiring one thing. you got to surrender. you got to come to the Lord and give it all. Will you relinquish your keys to God? Will you give him your rights? You say, no, Lord, I'm going to keep a lock on this door. He says, well, then I can't use you until you surrender. A sweet believer is a surrendered believer. One who's relinquished their own plans to serve the master. It's a personal request. Will you surrender today? Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. There's a requirement, though you got to present yourself as a living sacrifice seeking his acceptance alone and be renewed by the transforming of your mind look it is not easy to walk with god but it is easy to walk with god when you and i come to a place where we die to our own agenda there was one thing that was very important to me when we got home we needed to rest but we also needed to make several events happen back to back to back to back. <laughs> the church needed to get decorated yesterday. A lot of things had to happen. This week we had a tractor parade. The steeple started to leak. Saw that yesterday. There's a million things going on all at the same time. But this one thing, if I desired, daily devotions come first. Walk with God first. Church happens first. We didn't cancel church. We're just not church, amen? This one thing, this, this is important, We're going to serve the Lord. Look, uh, you say, well, we could be too tired for the tractor parade. We could. Sure. We could be too tired. Maybe we should just cancel a few weeks of church. You know, everybody else does it for Christmas. They're going to cancel. No, we're going to keep it, okay? If you want to come, that'd be awesome, all right? I think it'd be great to have Christmas Day service uh, here in church. And we're doing it. Look, there's great times to surrender to serve the Lord, but often our deepest surrender is just simply showing up. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we ought to go a little deeper, though. And like Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Matthew 11:28. 28, he says, Come unto me and you'll find rest. He invites us to come and to surrender to his yoke. The cure for stress is not found in just relieving our schedule of our personal requirements. There's a lot of things that, that can't give this week. Okay, They've got to happen. It's not, this cure for stress is not just relinquishing and getting rid of some of the things on your schedule. No, it's putting what's Christ centered first and then what will make help that happen next. The kingdom of God first in our life every week. Then he says, All these other things will be added to you. God says, Surrender to my plan. He says, I got a plan, it's a perfect plan. Look, the outlaw lifestyle looks fun in a movie, but it leads to a life of misery, running from problems. May we today say, Lord, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Be not conformed. Oh, everybody else you say, but this is the common way to do it. The American dream has turned out to be a nightmare. Have you figured that out yet? People live their entire life grasping for something, hoping they'll have it and they'll be able to have it, and then they'll be able to live their dream life. In the process, though, they lose everything. They lose everything. They lose every relationship with God, every relationship with men, every relationship with the children is lost in a pursuit for personal ambition instead of the kingdom of God. Could it be that God's calling us to surrender? Lord, I surrender all. I want to serve you. I beseech you. He says, I'm not going to force you to come through the door. He says, I'm going to invite you. Would you come? And would you surrender, he says, by the mercies of God, to God. Would you present yourself today fresh? Lord, whatever I've got left, maybe I've been doing my own thing for a long time. Lord, I surrender it to you. I surrender all to Jesus. You say, what's he going to ask you to do? I don't know. But he knows. He's a good master. Would you surrender to him? Let's bow for prayer. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray and seek the Lord, you might say, you know what, I don't know what. I don't know if I could restart. There is always a chance with the Lord. Moses made such a horrible mistake that he was on the desert for 40 years because of murdering a man. He really messed up, but God still used him. Whatever you've got going on in your life, don't focus on your failure Surrender to the master. And look, if you've never come to Jesus, you first got to come in faith and you simply call upon his name, trusting that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose again, that he is the Savior, and you come to him in faith and you simply say, Lord, I surrender my way. I'm coming and trusting you. And you call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you come to him for salvation. And then as a Christian, when you've come to him for salvation, you've asked Christ to come in your life first step is obedience getting baptized following the lord in believers baptism and maybe that's you you haven't been baptized yet you need to get baptized following the lord and surrender maybe you have been baptized and 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 you have trusted in christ as your savior but maybe god's saying surrender and today you just raise the white flag to the lord of heaven and say lord i surrender all if that's you as the piano plays right now Would you step out of your seat? Don't wait any longer. And would you come forward and ask the Lord to help you with that? Lord, I surrender today. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Every last bit. Lord, I'm giving you it all. Would you step out from where you're at? Would you surrender? Would you surrender? Would you ask him to help you? Would you ask the Lord to work? Lord, I surrender all to you. It was a privilege being in a full house of believers last week as well and seeing the sweet spirit of God's people, the invitation given, they immediately surrendered. Would you surrender? Would you surrender? Lord, I surrender all. Relinquish my own plans to your plans. He's a good master. If you don't surrender, God will raise up somebody else who will surrender, but others will be lost in the process would you surrender? I surrender all.